Welcome to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity with your host, Dr. Veerdra Jackson. On our program, we explore the flip side of every story. And when you open yourself up to both sides, you'll realize that there are life lessons, powerful tools, and so much more. Now, here is Dr. Veerdra Jackson. Hello and welcome. I am Veerdra Jackson, the CEO and creative behind Living Strong Consulting. And I am excited about this conversation. Have you ever been in the presence of someone who just makes you stand taller (laughs) just because of how they are, their spirit, their energy? Well, that is the person I have sitting with me for this conversation this evening. Let me introduce her. She is Principal and sister friend, Aaliyah Bradley. She's had over 20 years of experience in education and has served as the principal of Mary McLeod Bethune Elementary School since 2018. Under her leadership, the school has supported its kindergarten through second grade students in increasing the number of students reading on grade level by 12%. She has supported her mission of giving students access and agency by forming new partnerships as well as fortified others. Bethune has become a pilot school for the middle school career and technical education program in urban agriculture and health related services. She is um, has established a blended learning trauma informed community focused school with her partnership with Temple University with um, Linfest Foundation as well as North 10 and at Bethune she has received the Eastern Region Ushers Association Reading Award. I tell you. Well, that's not all. Prior to being a principal, she has been an adjunct professor, a middle school teacher, content specialist, gear up instructional support officer, literacy specialist, and curriculum developer for the school district of Philadelphia. See, Aaliyah continues to push for equity and social justice. And it's actually often in the spaces of the Black Women's Educational Alliance that I have had the privilege of being in her space, collaborating with her as she is the chair of the Political Awareness Committee. So she is determined to leave the world better than she found it. She will continue to use the energy and the inspiration of her ancestors to keep pushing forward. So do you understand why I said (laughs) there are just some people that because you are in their presence, they just have you sit or stand just a little bit taller. So I'm excited for our conversation, and I welcome my sister friend, Sister Aaliyah Bradley. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you. I am so excited about it. I didn't know who you were. I said, that sounds like a good person. But um, I am just very, very excited to be here with my sister friend, Dr. V. 
And I'm just really excited to have just a simple conversation because that is what she told me this would be. It is. It is. And I want to jump into it by first talking about what makes you so passionate about the work that you do and just the atmosphere that you bring. Yeah, I think um, in order for us to do this work, Mm -hmm. we have to call upon our ancestors. Mm -hmm. So I want to call upon the spirit of Susan Frisbee and Orly. Those are my two grandmothers Mm -hmm. and my anchor ancestor, Dr. Mary McLeod Bethune, who told us all to enter to learn, depart to serve. Mm -hmm. I think that when you realize that you are connected to a lineage of greatness and that it is your turn to run your leg of the race Mm -hmm. and that you must run even as a big girl as fast as you can Mm -hmm. to get all of the things done that are your assignment that then you figure out how to get that done. Mm -hmm. And so the energy that I carry and the purpose is a purpose that's much bigger than me. Mm -hmm. And so I think when we align ourselves Uh, with our giftedness and be obedient to what the good Lord tells us to do, uh, that we can really uh, do great things in the world. Um, Mm -hmm. It was, well, it's given to Mark Twain, but I really want to say it's African cosmology. That says the two, uh, there are two most important days in your life, the Mm -hmm. day that you are born and the day you find out why. And I think that we all have to, ravishly race to figure out the why of life. So I'm working on mine. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because I feel like whenever you speak, whenever I am in a space with you, you are walking in your why. And there's such integrity to what you intentionally say, how you show up in spaces. And as I listen to how you are connecting your assignment here, recognizing almost literally like that baton has been passed and we can't compromise, Mm -hmm. shrink back or do anything that's smaller or less than because it is our turn. I love that. Yeah. Even when we don't want it to be. (laughs) It's not always a fun turn to have, but it is the assignment. You know, I love Mm -hmm. this. Like, you know, she understood the assignment. Mm -hmm. I love all Mm -hmm. the posts and all. But it is an assignment. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I don't want to reach uh, my day oh, yes. of judgment and, and meet all of those ancestors that I've called on mm-hmm. all this time. Mm-hmm. And they all sit around and look and say, Leah, what happened? It was your turn. You dropped our ball. You started playing jacks. We said, run that leg of the race. Why did you fall short? Mm -hmm. So it is with great energy and passion that Mm -hmm. I just do my part, Mm -hmm. uh, whatever that is, and to help to liberate our people and then everybody else in humanity Mm -hmm. because it is what I was born to do. So I think that when we align our why. Yes with our walk and mm-hmm. really do that with full intention, then we can't show up anyway, but the divinity that's within us. Mm-hmm. So help me walk through, um, what do you mean that we are all, we all have a divine energy in us? Yeah. So that's part of just, uh, African cosmology, which is really just the lens to which I see the world that mm-hmm. we're in. Mm-hmm. And so we are all, matter and energy and Mm -hmm. we are all 
uh, important because we're mm-hmm. all God's children. Mm-hmm. And so when I look at a child, I don't see the trouble. Mm-hmm. I see the divine energy that that child carries. And mm-hmm. if I could tap into the divinity from me to mm-hmm. that child, then we have connected in a way that sees past their current circumstance, mm-hmm. uh, which is the way that we should see all of God's children. And so, you know, not to, you know, this we're not going Bible thump it, but mm-hmm. in a well, very, which we could, it's okay. <laughs> but in a very real sense, mm-hmm. we all have divine energy. Mm-hmm. That if we can connect past that, that is not color blind. It's not mm-hmm. colored uh, for only certain people. Mm-hmm. It is not economic. It is everybody has it. Mm-hmm. And if we can tap into that divine energy and honor that mm-hmm. one mm-hmm. to another, then we can see and help raise to the power that we are supposed to have. You know, as I think about how you are talking about being able to see, acknowledge, even validate the energy that every human being has. Um, And I connect back to your statement. I know as um, a believer, I have, and we we talked a little bit about this um, before the show started, in that I have uh, a responsibility Um, or even a privilege to walk into spaces with my faith, recognizing that as I walk into a space, I'm actually going to shift the atmosphere. And there that is humbling, as well as understanding there's a responsibility to that. And how I, I think about what so many Children, Mm -hmm. educators, our buildings, what they're going through and experiencing. Mm -hmm. You referenced, and it's in your bio, that your school is a trauma-informed environment, recognizing being able to see beyond the pain that children, families, communities. Can you talk a little bit about how you do that and how would you help? someone else be able to do that? So I think first and foremost, we have to recognize that we're all broken in some way. Like brokenness is not those that have a certain economic status. We we all Tell are brokenness, truth. right? Mm-hmm. And so in connecting and seeing past a person's brokenness to those pieces of them that are whole, mm-hmm. everyone wants to feel seen and heard. When you talk about education today we talk about the great resignation mm-hmm. that has also hit uh the the great resignation has hit education mm-hmm. um and and really it's is really scary to think about what this world's going to look like next september mm-hmm. uh for classrooms around this nation uh educators are tired yeah um and trauma is not something that is exclusively for the families and the children it is also the collective trauma of this pandemic, right? And then it's all the racial strife. Mm-hmm. It's all of the everything. The world went on pause. People started to breathe. And then we hit the play button, mm-hmm. not not slow down. We just say, you're going to get right back to what you... And folks are not able to do that. And so I think that in all of those sincere ways, 
um, that looking at trauma is something that is universal, not even just to certain communities. Um, but what I will say is uh, a little bit we talked about before, this mirror neurons. Now, I'm all yes. into this. Um, but the mirror neurons is, is so very powerful in trauma conversations because mm-hmm. what mirror neurons is all about the energy that we all carry and whomever has the dominant energy mm-hmm. in a space. You talk about shifting the atmosphere, mm-hmm. whomever dominates energy wise, right? Mm-hmm. No matter who's bigger, or smaller, but whatever the stronger energy, every the mirror and you're going to mm-hmm. come to where I am. Yes. So if I exude peace and love, love of you past your circumstance love if you can really feel that from me and my calmness in your situation you will settle into that now if you come with aggressive energy hurt energy that is higher than my ability to show the love in that space and those megahertz change and shift to what you have versus the megahertz of love mm-hmm. well then you now trigger me mm-hmm Mm-hmm. So we really always talk in trauma language about having a safety plan. So when you are triggered, what are the things that you should do to bring you back calm? I'm the mother of four daughters and I'm also a wife, but I'm also the uh, Mimi to Miss Amaya, right? Because when uh, I became a grandmother, that was like, you know, I was, I needed to be a little hipper than just grandma. <laughs> no shade to the grandma. But I wanted to be, you know, more than you know, a grandmother, I wanted to be her Mimi. Mm -hmm. And so she is at the top of my safety list. Mm -hmm. So when things take me off square and I think about that little face, it just brings me calm. Yes. And so when we're in this environment where everybody is being triggered in the ultimate aggressive state of the world today, we have to all be really clear that we all are triggered by things. So the first part of, as you said, like, what is the first part of work is doing your own work. Mm -hmm. I can't Mm -hmm. counsel you until I figure out my life Mm -hmm. and I can't help you until I put my own oxygen mask on. Mm -hmm. So when we started this trauma conversation at Bethune, I was not a a readily believer. I was like trauma, ACEs score. What are these things? Oh, that's a bunch of, right? Because Mm -hmm. we grow up in a certain world where you're told little brown girl, go be resilient. Yes. I know that this happened to you. I know that you just lost your father and then the brother is incarcerated and, 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 but you're supposed to rise past those things. Mm -hmm. And everybody doesn't have that elasticity to keep rebounding and rebounding Mm -hmm. without scaffolding and support. And just because you could do it doesn't mean that I can do it. And so let's not go from, well, when it was me, I, no, but it's not you, boo. Mm-hmm. It's this little person. Mm-hmm. And so that trauma conversation is also about creating routines, seeing children where they are, seeing past their hurt and pain, mm-hmm. and acknowledging everyone in that community as the divinity that they are and the privilege that you have as an educator mm-hmm. to touch the lives of those children. Mm-hmm. And if we could do those mm-hmm. things, then we have at least the beginning of a trauma conversation. Yes. As when I'm thinking about the um, the importance of being that calm, that base, the opportunity to be something that many of our children may not have experienced before. It may feel foreign, but the consistency 
of representing that this is something that you too could tap into. How, what types of things have you seen your students, your community, even your educators, because I am so about, we can't walk into a space and say, I'm going to heal you or help you if I haven't done my own homework and become really clear on what's going on with me. How would you say you have seen shifts and changes happen with the consistency of that mindset and approach? I think um, what we first look at is how to help adults uh, first, and then we can help our children. Mm -hmm. And there was this book that they gave to all educators, feed the teachers so they don't eat the kids. (laughs) And sometimes even when you feed the teachers, they still eat the kids. But (laughs) as, as we try to look at this work, we have to first, again, it's tapping into conversations uh mary beth and brandon sabrina and um mabari are our temple phases team Mm -hmm. and they're from the biomedical group at temple Mm -hmm. and they come and so when they first came you know mary beth that's my person and she talks in whisper tones how are you today queen and you know at first i was like stop talking to me like i'm crazy all the time you know that that comment but it really does work right Mm because it brings you down from these other places but what the work was for us and what it is still today my uh staffity is a staffity of majority black and brown educators mm-hmm. and so as black men make up less than 4% mm-hmm. of black of educators across the nation mm-hmm. when you have in a concentration so many educators of color the pain and trauma mm-hmm. and the brokenness of the systems to which we came through also shows up in concentration in these spaces. Mm-hmm. And so we do dual work all the time. There's work on us and work mm-hmm. on us with the students mm-hmm. all at the same time. It is critical that we, you know, do our work. This has already been a powerful conversation and I can't wait for us to jump into when we come back from this break, the importance of mentorship, um, the importance of having black and brown teachers teaching black and brown children. Why is that relevant? Um, We're going to unpack all of that. So (laughs) we're going to do it together. Please make sure you jump into uh, our website at livingstrongllc.com to find out about the different types of either trauma-informed approaches that we use, the racial equity work that we're doing, the parent supports that we provide, as well as I myself am getting ready to do a session on reset for the burnout that Mm. educators are experiencing. And it's in collaboration with um, the PA Cares Partnership. So that registration for that uh, session that will be February 17th is on our website. Log in, tap into resources. You are not alone in this work. We will be right back.
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. What if the most special part about you was not how you fit in, but how you stood out in a world that has never seen your kind of beauty? What if you could walk confidently in your God-given beauty, identity, and purpose? My name is Sandra Coates, and I am the founder and visionary of a movement called United and True. We want every woman to know that she is being transformed, she has been redeemed, and she is unique. I'm also an author of a newly released book called None Like Her. It is about awakening the beauty and the value that is within every woman. You see, it's time that we rise up through the confusion and the chaos and the comparison and the shame to know that there is nothing more we need to do to access the beauty that is within us. Please visit sandracoats.com for more information. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Living Strong, the flip side of adversity with Dr. Veerdra Jackson. To reach the live show today, call into 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at livingstrongllc.com. Now, back to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. Welcome back. We have already had... (laughs) A rich conversation. You could just walk through some of the textbook context that my sister Leah Bradley has already shared. And you began to talk about this a little bit in our first part of the conversation, but I'd like you to tap on it again in that how do you tap into who you are and whose you are at all times? Yeah. So I think we all have to study our history, right? which is really important. And so if I were Asian American, I'd be really deep in that. If I were Latina, I would get it. But I am African American Mm -hmm. and I love my people. I love everything about our swagger, how we do the things we do. And that's not anti anyone else. It's all pro the love we have. And as black folks, we have been through so much. We Mm -hmm. are such a resilient people to which our struggle becomes the blueprint for so many other groups as to how to do this thing. The 1960s, when we were marching and and also, you know, the riots and the, all the nuances of who we are mm-hmm. and how we've always made a way out of no way, mm-hmm. um, how our scraps while we were enslaved Africans became delicacies of today. Everybody's eating chitterlings <laughs> now, you know, uh, if pork is your thing. Um, and so I think all of that tapping into your history gives you such a liberation because when I think about what I can't do with my first world problems, mm-hmm. like how do I figure out how to sink my 
phone in my car when people are literally running around yeah. with no shoes yes. and still have genius. There's so much genius out here with black folks that if we tap into that history that we have, mm-hmm. that, I mean, you can, you feel like you can fly. Mm-hmm. Recognizing that when you just said, I literally think about how we have to have perspective to what we've been given yeah. and acknowledge and respect that 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 came at a cost absolutely to someone else and how do i not respect that and do something with it and understand that just because it's hard you know what that's a part of this dr mary mcleod bethune founded the college that started as the school for girls with a dollar on a garbage dump mm. Mm. as the child of many from enslaved Africans. But if we keep starting our history in shackles in this country and let people keep rewriting our narrative to tell us that we all weren't kings and queens, it's not possible. Well, you don't know what I have and the divinity that is within me. Don't tell me I started in shackles in this land. Mm-hmm. Especially at the time when you placed me here, when we were already here, because our plants were here years mm-hmm. and years before that. So we have a long history. And if we really get into it, everybody's African because that's where the continent to which all life was born. Yes. So when you know that, you can walk with such a heavy foot lightly, mm-hmm. knowing the lineage to which you came from. Mm-hmm. And so it's really then not about, I can do, you already know, because you are, were born with it. So, I mean, there are such great limbs that others have done and gone through to make us uh, not know who we are. Yeah. Um, and then you have noses blown off and, and our history gets rewritten. And now Egypt looks like it's not part of Africa. Is it like the, these are the lies to which people have given and fed us. And we just like the books are right there. Mm-hmm. Our history is right there. Mm-hmm. And if you could tap into that, mm-hmm. you'll mm-hmm. do more than want to grow up to jack someone's car mm-hmm. or stick up somebody something. You will know that you could be a mathematician because your people created mm-hmm. mathematics mathematics mm-hmm. and complex uh theories and systems and astrology like so that is what then you start to walk with yes. because then you know who you are yes and when we then mask that with you just came from like these slaves and this and that and that's what you carry then you don't carry yourself as the whole humanity that you are mm-hmm. we are great people yeah, yeah. helping individuals Students, adults, families, Mm -hmm. entire communities recognize that the narrative you may have been fed is not the whole truth. And how can you begin to actually help students as well as educators tap into the truth of their narrative? Well, I think uh, one of the African proverbs says it best if uh, children... Children were born, they will burn down the village to fill its form. And that that's like a heavy concept, right? Mm-hmm. And I think we're seeing a lot of that right now. Mm-hmm. There is some um, villages burning in our city. And we need to, as adults and elders, 
or soon to be elders, because you know I'm still in my twenties. You know, <laughs> if you ask me. Well, I'm a Gigi. Okay. Too. Yeah. So yeah, you know. there you go. Mimi's and Gigi's. Mimi's and Gigi's rock. Um, <laughs> but when we look at what's happening, we have to now start to understand that there is no greater power and energy than love. Mm. None. Yes. And so we need to start loving on our children. Yes. And I think our children will feel that. And when they really feel it, not because it is uh, mandatory, not because someone is making them, but they really feel that love coming out. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's the 400 something megahertz, right? That is the frequency of love. Of you got to feel it. Yes. When you could dig down and feel that 528, that's mm. the number. 528 megahertz. That is the frequency of love. We need that. Yes. And when we could tap into that, and when we look at traumatic communities, that there is not one community that is necessarily more innately um, uh, magnetic to trauma more than others. But when you have compounding trauma yes. and you have generational mm-hmm. trauma, trauma. Mm-hmm. right? If freckles can be passed down from one generation to the next, trauma can too. Absolutely. Right. And so we have to understand that we carry trauma. Trauma's in our bones. Mm. And so we have to get really more centered in that conversation. One of those that joined us uh, with the Facebook family, I saw one of my <laughs> My temple folks there. And, yes. uh, and and so what I will say is that as we dig into these trauma strategies and practices, mm-hmm. you also have to recognize what is for you in the trauma world and what's not. Mm-hmm. There's this mm-hmm. thing called tapping. I don't get into it. Mm-hmm. Then tapping here, tapping all over, it's supposed to make you feel better. That was like, you know, that was a little too much for me. <laughs> Y'all tap on, give me a drum. And I could mm-hmm. be, but I'm not mm-hmm. into the tapping. So we all have to continue. Don't try some strategies and then say that that trauma stuff is hooey because it doesn't mm-hmm. work. You just have to get aligned with the right trauma strategies for you and your village. Mm-hmm. And so Bethune's Trauma Village is a very deep bench of loving folks that have their own trauma and the second hand, hand trauma. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. but we'll continue to work through those things and continue to do their work mm-hmm. so that we can love on other people's children. Understanding the power of love, yeah. the healing properties of love, that right. it actually neurologically and biologically will change and shift an individual when we're actually able to operate from that place. There also feels like though, I have to have done the work for that to even be able to come from me from an authentic place to impact you authentically. So it doesn't feel like some kind of discounted or in an inauthentic thing. And then also having the respect for the complexity of my story of what I've been through, as well as recognizing that it's not a one fit, one strategy fit all kind of um, situation, understanding that we are all coming to this with different experiences. So why not be respectful of the fact that it will take different approaches to also create healing from that? But also understanding that, that, um, when you're in the deepest recesses of a traumatic situation, mm-hmm. that is an area in the brain and in the body that words don't exist. Mm-hmm. 
And so mm-hmm. if I am falling out because something terrible has happened to me and you want to help me and you say, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I, I'm just, I have no words mm-hmm. if I'm deep in that trauma. The best thing you could do is just sit there and hold my hand sometimes. Yeah. Let me throw something mm-hmm. in a safe place. Mm-hmm. Right. Don't bust mm-hmm. out my windows. Now. Please don't. Okay. <laughs> and, you know, don't have no money for that. But let's figure out safe ways for you to crash, for you to pound on clay and do some different things. And I promise that then the words do come. But that's coming when you're coming up some mm-hmm. out of this deep recess of trauma mm-hmm. to another thing. So, you know, that I'm not a trauma specialist, but I am now trauma informed. Yes. And then it's our job to uh, continue to carry our leg of the race, even in that work, to let children understand that it's not your fault, Mm -hmm. that you're feeling these things, Mm -hmm. that you come to school and you fall apart. And sometimes your love language, when you're a trauma, you've been impacted by so much trauma, you come to school and fall apart and then fall out. Mm -hmm. That doesn't feel good to me as an educator. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They have you cussing, fussing, and all that. But it's something that then says that you feel safe enough in this place. I was just thinking that. That then you yes. can fall out and I still will love you through it. Mm-hmm. You can fall out and the routine says that I'm still here. I don't walk away. I can't abandon you. Mm-hmm. I won't abandon you. That I'll be right here in those moments. And so what we have to do is continue to fortify the educators that receive all of that trauma mm-hmm. so we could do better work. That feels like an opportunity for us to jump into the conversation of, around mentorship. Yeah. Um, the collective group that we both belong to, um, the Black Women's Educational Alliance, they have a whole piece around mentorship and recognizing how do we mentor and support women yeah. of color mm-hmm. who desire to um, grow in their profession, grow in their craft, seek out opportunities for influence as well as leadership. And we can't always do that by ourselves. We cannot. And understanding the power of mentorship. And I know you have a perspective on that. Um, What role or how important is mentorship in this journey? Oh, I don't know how you do it without it, right? So I am a woman. I'm a black woman who loves Jesus. (laughs) Who might cuss a little bit, <laughs> loves a little cognac, <laughs> loves trap music, right? And my Put sneaker game there. is vicious. <laughs> I couldn't find my club, right? I, I could, there was no group for mm. that person. Mm-hmm. And so I started to be uh, really thoughtful about finding my tribe. Mm-hmm. And so what I realized is that I am very eclectic as a person. So my tribe is actually many tribes, right? Mm. So I have my sister circle of education where I have a doctor, sister queen, a kusawa who surrounds us with the all of the yes. grace and education like Lisa Delpit and, yes. and, and Gloria Lesson Billing. But then we have Natasha and this one, people that people don't know, mm-hmm. right? But people mm-hmm. that are really deep in this thing. But then I have my visionaries and then I have they they help us and we set vision and we pray and we send mm-hmm. messages of love of the Lord every mm-hmm. day. Then I got my little ratchet group over here <laughs> where, you know, they, my little book club crew and, you know, they, you know, they're a little different. They watch a lot of, uh, 
of TV I don't know anything about. They talk about these uh, uh, TV stars like people I, I don't even know. You don't even know. Yeah, I go, okay, okay. But they keep me focused on those things. So I think what is so important about mentorship, we should always be with both of our hands stretched out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who is it that you're reaching up to that yes. is mentoring you to your next greatest thing? The people that mm-hmm. have achieved things that you have not yet achieved, but you want to do who is speaking life to you. And then who are you mentoring? Right. So who's your Paul and who's your Barnabas? Who are yes. you people? Where are you yes. folks? But mentoring is so critical because I don't know how people live and set goals and who holds you accountable. Like if you don't have your sister friends and your brothers and your cousins and your family and all those persons and and try I don't know how people do it. Mentors are absolutely necessary. Well, I think it's also a part of the the lie or the narrative yeah. that I don't need anybody. Yeah. I can do this by myself or even believing that because I trusted somebody else, you're going to do the same thing. Yeah. And so there has to be some level of vulnerability, boldness, and I dare say faith yeah. that oh, yeah. there. this is for me an opportunity for me to grow. And just because this happened over here doesn't mean that it's going to be repeated. Right. And if I don't release that, then I'm actually blocking the opportunity that could be my very next. That's right. And I have a responsibility to walk into because it's a part of my purpose. And I'm sabotaging it all at the same time. I mean, you just spoke a word. Well, I tell you, we and and we're already at our second break. We have to take another commercial, people. But if you want an opportunity to understand how to um, tap into mentorship, yeah, we have. We're both um, on the executive um, uh, board for the Black Women's Educational Alliance. Check out their website. It is www.bweaphilachpt.org. And the opportunity to tap into women who just come together to support, to network, and to uplift. In unity, there is progress. Check out the website. Look for our next um, meeting that happens every third Saturday of the month. We will be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. What if the most special part about you was not how you fit in, but how you stood out in a world that has never seen your kind of beauty? What if you could walk confidently in your God-given beauty, identity, and purpose? 
My name is Sandra Coates, and I am the founder and visionary of a movement called United and True. We want every woman to know that she is being transformed, she has been redeemed, and she is unique. I'm also an author of a newly released book called None Like Her. It is about awakening the beauty and the value that is within every woman. You see, it's time that we rise up through the confusion and the chaos and the comparison and the shame to know that there is nothing more we need to do to access the beauty that is within us. Please visit sandracoats.com for more information. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Living Strong, the flip side of adversity with Dr. Veerdra Jackson. To reach the live show today, call into 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at livingstrongllc.com. Now, back to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. Welcome back. We have been having a an enriching, uplifting, and also accountability conversation with my sister friend, Aaliyah Bradley. She is the principal of the Mary McLeod Bethune Elementary School in Philadelphia, and her passion for changing the world has been evident throughout our entire conversation. We just talked about mentorship, and one of our uh, listeners asked the question, And if we're talking about building community, how can we actually do that as well as move past the trauma we have experienced? And uh, Aaliyah was just kind of tapping into and talking about first we need to get back to building community. Right. So I think one of the, the first things that happens when you want to dissolve a people is that you disenfranchise them and you break up community. So gone are the days when you go knock on Mrs. Such and Such's door. I had a Miss Carrie and Miss Jack. Miss Jack used to smoke, uh, she used to chew peach snuff. (laughs) And, you know, Miss Carrie and Miss Jack, they were the elders on the block that sat on the porch all day long and were a recording of every person and everything. And so that was something that as a kid, you know, I had to keep going to the store uh, and I would get quarters. Uh, even though I was almost grown, then I was still getting a quarter to go and I, I couldn't say no. Right. But that was community. We could borrow sugar and mm-hmm. and uh, a couple dollars of this and that and we could do different things. We don't have a lot of community today. So in order for us to start that question, we have to first start with rebuilding our communities. Mm -hmm. And that is why we all need to take a community, your school community, where you live on your block, your whatever, and you need to build there. Like you have to do some work. Where are you volunteering? Everything can't be paid opportunities. And how are you doing those different things? So I think that whole community, and, and I don't know if we ever can move past trauma. I think we learn how to heal from trauma and then learn how to work through traumas that are coming. Mm -hmm. Because as Mm -hmm. long as we are living, 
then surely we will have traumatic experiences. Mm -hmm. It's just part of life. As I think about how you just unpacked community, the importance of community, and you referenced earlier the percentage of black and brown teachers you have to serve black and brown children. Can you just talk a little bit about why is it important in a community for black and brown children to see black and brown educators? So I think we can't be what we can't see. And so oftentimes uh, when we have these conversations, no matter where we are in the conversations, when you ask people, when was the first time you had a black teacher? Many can't recall having one, maybe one or two in elementary, fairly none, right? And so how can we build the education workforce and pipeline to be this diversified workforce that reflects the diversity in the community of students. So uh, I think it was in 2010 uh, was the first time that uh, children of color became the majority of those sitting in public seats in Mm -hmm. the United States. And so all I'm saying is I think it would be wise if our workforce reflects the diversity because we all need mirrors and windows, right? So Mm -hmm. I need the window to see into other worlds, be able to see what the other side may look like. So I need diversity, but I also need mirrors. I need people who look like me and building engineers and cleaning staff and all the support staff are as integral to a school functioning as are the educators and principal and assistant principals in the school. However, if I don't want to think all I could do is do that one job of clerical cleaning, et cetera, I need to see you in front of the classroom teaching me. Mm -hmm. And so maybe then if I see a black man in his suit or his polo shirt, however he shows up teaching our children, I may then as a little Raheem say, I want to be a teacher, Mm -hmm. you know, and and that's not, we're never going to win the fight uh, in a glam against being NFL and NBA. Like those things are going to be, but we do realize everyone can't do that. Mm -hmm. And so it would be good if education can be sexy enough to be your fallback. (laughs) (laughs) So you you can't be LeBron. You're like five, two. So (laughs) I got a job teaching? for you. I got a job you can be for you. a phys ed teacher yes. and you can show and maybe teach the next LeBron. I don't know. Yes. You know, but I, I just think that we have to, you know, educators of today have swag. You know, there's some dope educators out here doing this thing that make it look beautiful and brilliant. And so gone are the days of everyone having the buns and the plaid little dresses. And so we need to reflect that diversity in even what we think that teachers show up looking like. So that teachers can become these like role models that people want to see. I love Abbott Elementary School for the comedy of it. However, we're more than just a parody. And that's no shade to the show. I love all educational kind of comedies and shows. But we're more than that. Mm -hmm. Um, We we are not always just those that people should laugh about. But educators in this country are not revered as they should be mm-hmm. but we literally are ushering the next generation through some things like that that should be a, a place of reverence not you know like i i can't believe girl i don't know how you are a teacher i couldn't do it well that's not just tell me that we're great 
Yes. And I'll take that S on my chest and keep moving. Yes. Yeah. There are so many questions I have with so little time remaining. (laughs) But in what you just said, recognizing that we can't compete against particular professions, but two things. One is having black and brown teachers only beneficial to black and brown children. You mentioned that mirror and windows. I'd like you to go a little bit deeper. Yeah. And then how do we recruit teachers from diverse backgrounds to impact multiple communities? So I think black and brown educators are important for all children. Uh, because, you know, I think some of the fear of, of us as African people um, may not be if we were also teaching in every environment so you can begin to meet us more than just reality TV. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the recruitment and retention and sustainability, right? Cause all those are three different things mm-hmm. of, um, of black and Brown educators is just very different and has to be very deliberate. So um, I'm going to say that Brown versus board of education one and two Topeka, Kansas, 1954 and five. Um, singularly, uh, may have been, uh, some of the worst legislation Mm -hmm. for the diversity of a school pipeline. Mm -hmm. So very well intentioned were those legislative pieces and, and our ancestors that fought for that thing thought that what they were fighting for was integration we never were integrated. No. So in over in one year, we lost about 70% of black educators in this country because they took our kids, they shut down our schools. Mm-hmm. They didn't take white children and put them in black schools and then black children and put them in white schools. They just took all the black kids and put them in the white schools in the basement. Mm-hmm. So we still were never, we were just, we were shut down, thrown over and then resegregated to the, and so we mm-hmm. still got the the rummy down resources. Right. right. We were just in the same building to get them. Mm-hmm. Or we received teachers that were so scared of us and hated us mm-hmm. that they still weren't teaching us. When when we were segregated and we had our own schools and places, we were loved. And Miss Sally lived in the neighborhood. And Sister Fatima, who taught this, she also was right down the street. We went to the same church and we spoke the same love language. And she was invested in me as a warm demander who said, I love you, but you're going to sit down. Well, sat down. You're going to sit down. Sat down. Sat down. Sat down mm-hmm. and, and learn these things. And so we lost that. And so I think that uh, we can't necessarily go back to that, nor do I think that in this uh, segment of our history is that necessarily what we need to do. But I think at this point, we need to look at real integration. We are even the city of Philadelphia, as diverse as it is, very segregated. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. And, it, it, you know, we're doing all kinds of things, we meaning as a district, to try to integrate and uh, have special emits not be so 
uh, white in a in a system that is so black and brown. Mm-hmm. But these things are happening. And now that we are living today, we have to also realize diversity isn't just black and brown, mm-hmm. but we have every ethnicity, mm-hmm. right? So we want to be very conscious of making sure that the diversity in the world shows up in the classroom, mm-hmm. that our transgender yes. um, family here, members, just they marginalization. get to mm-hmm. any marginalized group, group mm-hmm. needs to be represented. So then we, there should, you know, in, in America, we do a lot of othering, mm-hmm. but we are all the other mm-hmm. to someone. To someone. So we need to have everything represented in every way for our children so that they can really grow up in a diversity instead of being fearful of other people. As you walked right into what I was thinking, when, I, we can oh, begin, right when we can begin to get a new perspective about that other or the person I'm afraid of, or even put down the assumptions that I'm making about someone else and actually get in community conversation and begin to, we're literally full circle back to the beginning of our conversation of seeing people. Right, but it's also about the beginning of our conversation about knowing who you are and whose you are. Mm-hmm. When I know who I am, I'm not fearful of the gifts that you have mm-hmm. because I'm comfortable in my own. Mm-hmm. So my people could fly. Maybe yours can float. I don't know. But I'm interested to figure that out once I'm really cued, really cued in to who I am. Mm-hmm. And, and another thing, uh, just laying on my heart with that, I think that as black women in the work, we hold such an important place. You know, the 14th Amendment was before the 19th, so the good brothers got to vote before us. <laughs> um, and, uh, and there's so much intense yeah. situations that uh-huh. happen when we think about the struggle for equality mm-hmm. and how as women and then as black women, we are always marginalized. And so I, I always say that we have to continue to also carve out the spaces for women and black women in these circles. So you need not just mentors, but you also need your sister circles. Yes. Where you're edified in ways that only we can feed one another. And so that is also part of this whole story about really figuring out how we help children is getting that village. But how we get the village back really starts with the black woman in our village. In our village. Woo! I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. As I shared with you, she makes me sit taller. She makes me feel um, full. Her contagious spirit of love and energy is exactly what I hoped this conversation would be. And I hope you have taken away nuggets that will help you continue to stay in it, recognize that you have an opportunity to create impact. You have been a part of another flip side of adversity conversation. And we look forward to you logging in again, same time, same place next week. Thank you so much. We love you. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning into Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. Please join your host, Dr. Veerdra Jackson, for another edition of our show next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific time 
and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week.